0: church, developing a culture of loving Christ and serving others. It is good to be here last week, uh, Katie and I, we took off for Butterfly Lake in the Uintas, um, and it was great uh, to be out in God's creation, you know, and just spending the holiday with each other, and I'm thankful for Jed bringing the word last week, and uh, the worship team did such a great job. It's fun to see Joey uh, just being up here and being involved in worship. And this was the first time. I mean, you know you're in a transition when you start going camping without your kids. Joey was here, and we were camping. And, uh, you know, that was a—I kept saying, Joey, come on, come camping, come be with us. And, boy, she just loves worship. She wants to be here, so don't know what to say about that. <laughs> it was great. It was great that she was here and loves, loves being Let me just say—I will say— I am thankful that we're part of a church where my kids want to be here with you. That makes me feel good because I know that not only Katie and I are being loved, but you're loving my kids in a way that says, hey, I want to spend time at church because that's a good thing. And I just want to say thank you as a parent. Thank you for loving my kids. And, uh, And I'm just so appreciative that we have that together. Hey listen, there's uh, a lot going on. You can see our uh, discipleship groups, interest groups, influence teams, all that kind of stuff. You want to be involved? We want you to be involved. You want to make a connection? You want to have some relationship with friends? This is the place to do it. We, this, today is our launch Sunday where all of these things are happening this week. And I just want to encourage you, discipleship groups is going to be following the John series that we're starting today. So if you're new with us today, we're starting a brand new series and we're going through the book of John. And we're going to take a few months going through this and it's going to be good. And the discipleship groups takes what's being, uh, the scripture verses that are being brought here. We bring it in a topic of conversation here, and then we bring it into a relationship level there where you're able to dialogue, ask questions, and just bring it into life application in, in your week uh, through discipleship groups. So th- if we would talk about discipleship, that's how we do it. That is a big, big way, and that's a primary area of our church. And uh, I'm thankful for all the discipleship groups that are happening and going on. So we are starting with uh, John chapter 1. You know what, you can turn there. You can put your finger in your page there or put that on your phone and keep that reserved. We're going to head over there John chapter 1 verse 1. Um, and I want to kind of intro John. John is what you call part of the Gospels. Gospels literally translated the good news. The good news is of Jesus Christ, correct? And when somebody says the good news, you're actually saying uh, the gospel. That's, that's the word in Greek that we're saying, the good news. And uh, the good news of Jesus is good. We are here to hear some good news. How many of you know that, that whether you're listening to CNN or Fox, you're not listening to good news all the time, right? But you come here, you're always listening to good news. Because we always preach the good news of Jesus Christ. And it should lift us up, it should build us, it should encourage us, and it will challenge us. And so the Gospels are the good news. Now, you've got some breakdown of these Gospels, correct? They're not exactly the same. They're different perspectives from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's their perspectives of their eyewitness of Jesus himself. And they tell a lot of the same accounts and the miracles and the things that happen in the the Gospels, especially. Now, we're going into some theological stuff here because John sets it up this way. The the synoptic gospels see together is what synoptic means in the Greek. It's those three, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, see very closely. So when you read those three books, you are in some interpretation. They're very similar. You're getting a pretty good perspective of a lot of the same things that they witnessed together. Now, John does the same thing. But it's also distinct in the person of Jesus and almost more of a a relational aspect of Jesus. And there's a few more things in there about Jesus that we discover. But each one has its own focus, right? Now, there's a focus that happens within these Gospels that Matthew, Mark, and Luke, John, they kind of emphasize. And um, I want to just kind of hover over that real quick, that the Gospel of Mark, just kind of setting this up, Begins with the story of John the Baptist who prepares the way of Jesus. I mean, that's how it starts. And since we're in John 1, we're going to look at how they start differently. Matthew begins with the genealogy of Jesus. And it traces all the way back into the line of the lineage of Jesus. And the, the Gospel of Luke, well, that goes back to the birth of John the Baptist and with Jesus. And that whole process there of setting the story up of who Jesus is. So that's where we're at. And then John will set up for even greater focus. And each of these uh, books are written so we have a greater, clearer picture of Jesus. I brought this um, telescope with me. um, And we just uh, got this. And this is a a cool little thing. I don't know if you uh, guys have a telescope, but it's really, really a lot of fun. And uh, this was given to me Um, by Mark and Julie thank you Mark and Julie for uh, blessing me with this so we we've got our backyard we got this little place where we set up this uh, telescope and we just kind of look at the stars and I don't know if you've done this before but it's kind of tricky it's kind of tricky to find what you're looking for you would think that the moon would be pretty easy to find but actually it's really kind of difficult so if you want to get that slide up here we just kind of kind of mimic what we get to see so you have all of this expanse of the universe and, and, and all of this grandness. You get to come through and you say, okay, I, I, I want to look at that galaxy that's over there, whatever name that is, I'm going to take a look. And there's two different types of viewfinders here. I don't know if you know this, but I didn't know this until I got this. You've got this one here, which is a broader perspective. You're, you actually look at where you want to point this thing. You say, I'm going to look over here, and I'm going to adjust up a little bit that way and you begin to look through this viewfinder and it has crosshairs on it and you're able to put your crosshairs on exactly what you're looking for and then you come down through your little magnifying um, lens here and you're able to find a little bit of what you're looking for it's not always exact or direct but you know it's in the vicinity because you have this perspective or this lens here that leads you to this lens and these lenses change into even greater lenses and so you can switch those out, and you look through um, space, this big starry solar system and galaxies, and you're able to see through different lenses, and you're able to see different things with different depths. Are you hearing where I'm going with this? Tying it into the Gospels, there are different lenses that we get to see and uncover and visualize and be able to uh, look at the beauty and the wonder and the awestruck awesomeness of Jesus. It is so phenomenal to be able to look at Matthew and read the genealogy of Jesus. Right? You're getting into the DNA of humans. And you're seeing God in the smallest molecule. And you get to see how big God is through, the, through how small things are and intricate And how big God is in creation. Then you get to look at something like this. And look how big God is. And then you even look even further. Something as a dot that you can't even see with your naked eye. And begin to see how big God is. God is amazing, isn't he? And the more that we discover, in fact, science discovers, the greater proof we have for the existence of God. And I love this. And we go out there, and Jackson and I, and I was was looking at the Joey too, uh, um, but... We'll, we'll go out there, and I'll look at this, and I'll take my time. It takes me about 10 minutes to find the moon. That sounds weird, but it, it's hard for me to find the moon, set everything up. And I got it just perfect. I said, Katie, you got to come look at this. Come out there. Come look in there. And she's like, I don't see anything. I had, I'm like, I had it set up, and I couldn't figure out why uh, I was missing it in this focus here. Well, I forgot that our system is like in motion, right? <laughs> so you have it set here. The moon still moves or we do, you know. And uh, so this is a good analogy of us that, hey, the word of God is living. It's active and it's sharper than any double edged sword. And we are to search and to find the movement of God. And when we seek him, we will find him. Sometimes it takes a few lenses to get the full picture. Of What he's talking about, right? Man, the communication of God's word to us. So that's a setup for John, and I want to look at John as through the lens of how big and who is Jesus in our life. It's integral to know that when we talk about Jesus, we understand what that name means, and that we understand that Jesus is more than a good teacher, more than a prophet, but he really is God, and John wants to communicate that to you today and to all of us. So let's let John preach for us as we look at verse 1. And I'm going to have you maybe interact with me just a little bit here, just kind of keep us on, the, um, on our toes. In the beginning was the Word. Say the Word. Here we go. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Say the beginning. Jesus is the Word. The Word is God. The Word was with God, and He was in the beginning. That's who this is talking about. John is setting the picture. He is setting the lens for us to look at so that when we read God's Word, we understand what His sacrifice means, who He is, His love, everything He's setting in motion for us to understand a greater character and nature of God through His Son, Jesus. Through Him, all, say all, all things were made, and without him, nothing was made that has been made. And in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. that's what we desire. That's when we have life in our, light in our life it is Jesus. It really produces the purpose. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. You can see in the starry background, when we look at the galley. you can pick out the stars in the darkness of the sky. The darkness does not overcome the light. And there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light so that, though, that through him all might believe. John the Baptist was, was preaching repentance for Jesus as a preparation for him to come. And he himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. I'm talking about Jesus. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, that's Jesus, the world did not recognize Jesus as the Son of God as a whole, right? And yet he came uh, came to that which was his own, his own people, his children, but his own did not receive him. And yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. That's an amazing declaration of ownership, of identity, of who you are in Christ Jesus. You have got the rights of the Father. You've got the inheritance of your dad. You've got the inheritance of a king, and you have certain rights that you inherit through his righteousness. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. That's kind of where we get this. Uh, A term, born again, born of God, child of God. We are born with the Spirit of God. He has placed something new inside of you through Jesus. Verse 14, the Word became flesh. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We've seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Say grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. And out of his his fullness, we we have all received grace in place of grace already given. God had already given grace in the Old Testament. Now there's even more grace and abundance of that. For the law, law was given through Moses; grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only, or, but the, but the one and only Son, who is Himself God, and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made Him known. That's a lot to chew on, isn't it? There's a lot of theological um, weight and heaviness into the first chapter of John. And uh, it's so good to study and to learn and kind of take things down a little bit and kind of slow things down so we can get a picture of who Jesus is. You know, I wonder how many times we base our faith off of a snapshot. You see, Jesus was born in a manger. He was born in a stable. And there's this time and place in history that can pinpoint 2,000 years ago where we could say, okay, the shepherds came, the angels came, there's a snapshot, we get this, this uh, great nativity set, and we put it on our mantle during Christmas time, and that's the day that Jesus came. And I wonder how many people base their theology... Based on that snapshot, on that image, and just say, yeah, that's when Jesus came, and that's only a picture. And John says there's much more to this story, to this plot line, than that exact moment. Was it important? Yes. Did it need to happen? Yes. Was God's grace displayed even in his birth? Yes. But if we don't know the full picture of Jesus, we only take that snapshot for what it is and we miss out on the identity of Jesus and who he is in the full, complete story. Now, to illustrate this, I've got a few pictures that I want to show you, and it's a snapshot. It's a frame. There are 24 frames per second in a movie. There's about 158,000 frames in each two hour long movie. So out of 158,000 roughly frames, I want to show you one and see if you can take a, uh, a, a if you can know what this movie is based off of a snapshot. All right, you ready for this challenge? Okay, let's go to the first movie and let's see if you know what movie this is based on one snapshot. Whose favorite movie is this? It's okay, you're okay to you're okay to agree. That's Dumb and Dumber, right? It is a classic movie some of you know this and uh okay so let's go to the next one star wars right how many star wars fans do we have in here yeah, how many of you saw star wars in the theater i mean like the original ones right yeah That's, i didn't get do that but i would love to do that um okay next one name this movie charlie you're the man that, you're awesome what about bob this is, i tell you a little something about me I love this movie. I quote this movie all the time. If you haven't seen this movie, come on over to my house. We're going to have a movie night, and we're going to watch What About Bob, okay? I mean, there it is one of my favorite movies. Now, with this, we get to see, if you know these movies, you know what's happening in this scene. And you know the whole story with With Bob Wiley and Dr. Leo Marvin and the agitation that's going on there. And he's got this phobia and this fear. And he wants to go sailing. And Dr. Leo Marvin's daughter invites him to go sailing because he's fun. And so this is the only way that he could sail is he's got a rope tied around him. He's got the life vest. And he's yelling out, I'm sailing, right? And it's a great movie. And uh, you should watch it. But. Uh, So we understand because we've seen the the full picture, we've seen the full movie to get a reference of one single frame. But what happens if you don't know the story, you don't know the plot line, and you only get a snapshot of a movie? Go ahead and put the next screen up. Okay, it might be a little bit uh, hard to tell. And this is a young actor. Do you know who this is? It's in his early days, and this is a movie that um, I wish I had several of these frames on here to show you, but that's Leonardo DiCaprio. You're going to say that, good. Leonardo DiCaprio in his early days. Now he did, he's done a lot of good movies, and you can say from this picture, okay, I don't know that movie, but I can, I can guess it's going to be a good one because it's Leonardo DiCaprio. I know that name. I know he's a good actor. I, I know that he always does top-notch movies. You know, I, I just enjoy what he does, action and thriller and drama and suspense, so I can kinda guess it's gonna be like that and and you can kinda guess what type of movie it is based on who's in it, but you don't really know for sure how the plot goes. So we end up making it up and putting in our own words of what this is about, correct? I wonder how many people treat Jesus that way. I wonder how many people treat their God this way. And They've got snapshots from something they heard from someone else. They know from the, the, the manger scene. They've seen a movie once over here. They picked up something over here. But yeah, this person told me this over there. And there's different snapshots. And they, 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 they know who Jesus is. They know that name. They know he's a good person. They know there's probably some good things. But that's it. There's just a snapshot. This movie is actually called... Um, the Foot Shooting Party, just in case if you were wondering, uh, one of uh, the blockbusters that Leonardo DiCaprio is known for. And just so you know, just because you're probably wondering like me what this movie's actually about, the lead singer, which is Leonardo DiCaprio, is in a band and he gets drafted into the Vietnam War. So as to not break up the band, he decides to shoot his own foot. So that's the movie. If you want to go watch it, you can check it out. <laughs> But we don't understand what's going on in that with just that one snapshot because we haven't seen the movie. We don't have the context. And John is setting up the context. Matthew's talking about the genealogy. That's a snapshot. That's some that's a lens that focuses almost like a microscope. And John begins to talk about the telescope, about how broad and how big God is, how big Jesus is, and that Jesus was God and Jesus was from the beginning, correct? So we're seeing this in perspective, in these lenses of who Jesus is. And they're telling us exactly who he is. So it is important to look at the picture of a, of a grander scale versus just the snapshot. And bringing it into focus and bringing it in to more than just one specific time in history when Jesus was born. But that Jesus was there in the beginning. Remember when we see he was in the beginning? I'm going to read that again. Because it's important for us to understand who Jesus is. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and th- and through Him all things were made, and without Him nothing was made that has been made. Now, we see that in John, that's New Testament. What about in the Old Testament? Where do we see Jesus? Well, we can find Him right in the beginning. So, if you want to head on over to to Genesis chapter one, we get to see Jesus. In the beginning, the mention of him in the creation. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And he continues to make creation. He goes over to the sun and the moon and he's the sky, the atmosphere, and he separates the water from the land and he develops the trees and the forests and the animals and he and he just has everything in creation. And then he comes to making you and I. When he comes to making Adam, he says in verse 26, then God said, let us, you can underline the plural, correct? You see that? Let us make mankind in our image. In our likeness. There is a plural there because Jesus was there in the beginning, Jesus was with him. When the forest and the mountains were being created, he was there. When he saw the grandeur, he saw the splendor, he saw the beauty in that existence. And when it was brought into light and it was brought into creation, he was there. And when he saw you, he saw your name. And he said, I love what you are creating. I love what you're going to create. And he saw your name. And he loved you before you were even born, before you were in the womb, He knew you. From the beginning, He knew you. Was Jesus included in the time of creation? Yes. Was He included in in your creation? Yes. Is this even an important question to ask? Yes and absolutely. Amen. Why? Can't I just believe in Jesus as God's Son and, and He was a created being? unfortunately, that distorts the truth of who Jesus is. And if we distort the truth, we no longer have truth or absolute truth. We have a portion of it, and a portion of truth is really just another segment of a lie. And if you have a lie about Christ, or you believe a falsehood about Christ, you eventually begin to have a false hope and security. If Jesus was not there, then he would not be God. And therefore hold no divinity... Or hold no power or nor, nor, nor any value because he has been created. If Jesus was created, he would not have been a sufficient sacrifice to redeem sins committed against God. Because nobody is perfect. No, not one. Even the best person. Would have faults and you can't make a redeeming case in the legal sense of somebody who murdered to say, "Okay, I'll step in in place. I haven't murdered anyone, but I. You can't trade. Bad for bad, there has to be something that would offer as a redeeming value to wash away. And that's what Jesus did, who is God. But does it really matter whether or not we believe that Jesus is God? Yes, it does. Because a false understanding of Jesus erodes the authentic relationship with the Father. They are in relationship with each other. And our relationship with the Father is dependent upon the relationship of Jesus. The identity of Christ is of utmost importance because it's where we carry our identity. If we get the name wrong of who we identify with, we are carrying around a different identity than what God had intended you to carry. And he says, I have placed a spirit, my spirit, in you. I'm going to clothe you with my righteousness, the righteousness of Jesus. And you don't believe that Jesus is God, then that is not much righteousness at all. I'm afraid of what we preach and teach in our culture. Of Jesus just simply being a good man, a good teacher, a good prophet, and not really the only Son of God. And the Son of God is God. He is not just something that was created, He was there from the beginning, and He is the one that was only sufficient to give us all of His grace and truth and forgiveness through Him. And what do we have because we believe in who Jesus is? What do we gain? What do we possess? What's the benefit? What do we have? We gain freedom in Jesus Christ. That's what he came to give. In verse 14 in John, we get to see this. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, right? That's the Christmas story. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. We said that together, the the grace and the truth. This is paramount. This is central. This is what we focus on. This is what Jesus focused on for us is to give us truth, which the Pharisees distorted the truth. And Jesus said, I want you to have truth about who I am in the relationship with the father that I will give you and not about what the institution of the church or religious leaders can give you. So he's breaking that down and giving us grace and truth. What is the truth? We are all sinners destined to die. And we all are in need of His grace. That is a free gift. That is received through faith. Amen? A very popular verse, and some of us have it memorized, and it's Romans 6.23, and it just spells this out very clearly for us. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. He reiterates who Christ Jesus is. The Christ, the Messiah, our Lord, our God. It is the free gift through Him who He gives freely to us. The Father who Jesus had died for everyone. And all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 5, 12, therefore just as sin came into the world through one man, that's Adam, right? "And And death through sin. Sin is Death. Death comes through sin. And so death spread to all men because all have sinned. We are destined to die if we don't have Jesus. And we cannot earn that on our own. It is only received by His grace, and that's the truth. And this is what He has given to us freely. And how do we receive that? Through faith and faith alone. Faith in God's goodness, sometimes we struggle with that. Struggle with God, are you, are you really that good who you say you are? Struggle with, do you struggle with the forgiveness? Can he really forgive you? That's where faith comes in and say, God, I'm going to believe and I'm going to trust outside of my emotions and I'm going to trust what your word says and your promises said I'm forgiven and I am going to live my life as if I believe what you say about me and not what I say or what I can remember. Amen? That's good, isn't it? Because Jesus is God and what he has done is sufficient and it is good for us. That's the gift. Romans chapter 3 kind of spells this out. in the grace and the love that he has for you. And this is in the Passion Translation. I just love the Passion Translation, just to be honest. It's a great poetic um, translation. And it, I love how it says it here. And let this just speak to you. You can almost close your eyes. And I'll just let Paul speak these words into your life. But now, independently of the law, the righteousness of God is tangible and brought to light through Jesus, the Anointed One. This is the righteousness that the Scriptures prophesied would come. It is God's righteousness made visible through the fullness of Jesus Christ. Now all who believe in Him receive that gift. For there is really no difference between us. For we have all sinned and are in need of the glory of God. Yet through His powerful declaration of acquittal, God freely gives away His righteousness. His gift of love and favor now cascades over us. All because Jesus, the Anointed One, has liberated us from guilt, punishment, and power of sin. It's a beautiful description of the gift of Jesus the gift of God the question comes to us who do we say that Jesus is is he created is he a prophet is he a good teacher or is he god in flesh makes all the difference in the world because it sets the tone for the power you live in your life The power of the grace and the truth of Jesus and how we walk in that. And the confidence we have in His working in our life. Let's stand together. In Matthew 16 there's an incredible interaction between Jesus and the disciples and He's sitting with them and Jesus knows what's being to- told or the word that's being spread about him and who he is. And, and he simply just gathers the disciples together and, and says this. Who do people say the Son of Man is? And he was talking about himself. As they are sitting there, he asked them this question specifically to see how, what their answer would be. And they replied Well, some people say that you're a prophet of Jeremiah, or you're a good teacher, or some say you're Elijah, or some say from John the Baptist, and they give all sorts of answers that the culture was giving them, right? These snapshots of maybe this scene, or that scene, or maybe what that is, and and Peter kind of pipes up, because Jesus just asks him, just like he's asked you or asking you right now, he says, but who do you say? That I am. I know there's a lot of different ideas about what people are saying about Jesus, but what about you? And Simon Peter just looks at Jesus and he just says, You're the Son of the living God, the Messiah. And I could just see Jesus just smiling in that moment and saying, You've answered correctly. And you didn't come up with this on your own understanding, but the Spirit of God spoke that into you. You see, we, we can have lots of theology. We can have lots of understanding. We, we, we can, I mean, pastors go to school. And they, they go to be trained of the knowledge of Christ. But there's something deeper that Jesus was asking the disciples outside of all of these snapshots, outside of all of this stuff that we could think who Jesus is. But who do you say that I am? Almost the most personal question. Can you imagine what that would be like if Jesus was right in front of you and just looked you in the eyes and said, Who do you say that I am? So found, and I guarantee you, he never forgot that moment. Those disciples were there, and Jesus was speaking into their heart, speaking into their mind. They heard the tone in his voice. The question is still today today the same as it was yesterday. Jesus is still asking every single person in here, Who am I to you? Paul said, The thing that I want most is to know Christ more. And this is a man who wrote... A lot of the New Testament had the experience had been healed and miracles was preaching and all this incredible stuff happened. And yet he still wanted to know God more. He still wanted to know Jesus more. And so we never get into that point of saying, I know him enough. And Jesus is saying, yeah, but what about now? Who am I in the circumstance that you're facing right now? Who am I in a standing in your fear? Who's going to face that? Is it me or is it you? Who do you say that I am? Is he God to you in your life? Or has he just been a good teacher to give you some good moral values through his word? Have you been taking him too practically that you haven't experienced the knowledge of a heart transformation in your life? Do you understand what I'm saying? There's great teachings in the Bible, but it's more than that. It's knowing God. We could come to church week after week after week and only have the practical vice of Jesus to make a good life. But what about knowing Him? Who do you say He is in your life? And we break it down and put it into focus and just speaks that to us. It's very personal. Is it life? Transforming? Is it challenging? Are you in love with your Creator or is that something that we just say? How do we get past the good teacher? I believe. It follows along beautifully with just the surrender. Just like we sang before. It can be hard. But to surrender and say, you are the Messiah. You are my God. And to let that settle in and what that means Of who Jesus is in your life. He is Lord of all. And he transforms us day by day by day. That's the truth of the message of grace. Let's close our eyes. and I just want to ask a simple question. How many of you here are ready to let Jesus liberate you and empower you to live a life differently than what you're living today? Simply put, letting him be your Lord and having a relationship with him. can I say just outside of the Christian title? But in the context of the relationship with the God who is asking you the question, who do you say that I am? And do we trust Him? Can you believe that God would love you enough to give His Son's life as a ransom to set you free? Can you believe big enough that he is created and creating you uh, in the image of God. He's already done it and he's continuing to do that. Are you, can you have faith big enough in Jesus that he's doing that? To live in the sometimes counterculture uneasy truth of his words and saying, you know what, this is difficult for me to live out, but I'm going to do it because he is the son of God. Do you believe that Jesus is God and that he's big enough to heal what's broken inside? Of addiction, of pain, of lust, relationships? Is he big enough? To heal your soul instantly of sin and death on the inside that robs your peace every single day because your mind keeps going there to transform your mind in the likeness of Christ every day. Are you big enough? Is your faith big enough to believe that? Are you willing to believe that? And it doesn't have to be that big. It's as small as a mustard seed. And he does the rest. If you're saying yes to this, in your heart, then you're willing to believe that Jesus is more than what the world says He is. He's something more to you. And it does make a da- difference every day in your life. I tell you what, if you're ready to give this another try, and some of you have come in here and you maybe you've said, I've tried and tried and tried. Maybe it's less about trying and more about just Knowing. I want you to raise your hand and we want to pray together. If you want to just simply know God in a different way today, raise your hand. Yes, yes, yes. Through His grace, through His truth. Yes. Through His provision, through His protection. Yes. Through His healing, through His covering, through the newness, through, through new joy. Rest. I'm going to ask the church. It's us to do what the church does. We come with our burdens, and we pray with no, with one another. We we fight back together. So you're not alone. So if somebody was standing in front of you and they placed their hand up in the air, would you please just do me a favor and put your hand on their shoulder and let me just tell you, this is what we see in the New Testament. They laid hands on each other and they prayed for one another. Where two or three are gathered together in his name, right? Powerful things happen. We just believe that. Can we have somebody over here? Raise your hand if you just rose your hand already before and you want somebody to touch you on the shoulder. Please just raise, uh, put your hand on the shoulder back there. Jeff, can you help me out? Jeff Albrighton, can you help me right up here? Yep. With Joe. Yep, that's it. Yep. We're simply just standing with you. Did I miss anybody? I'm going to say a prayer, and we're all going to say it together. I'm going to repeat after me just a word that God is going to move in us and change us. Amen? We believe in the power, that's why we're here, of Jesus. So repeat after me. Let's pray. Jesus, say it again, Jesus, I want more of you. I want To know you in a new way. Create in me new things, new desires, a change of heart, a change of mind. Heal me from the inside out. I want to know you more. Your power, your provision. And I believe this word... Safety. Rescue. Peace. In Jesus' name. Father, I ask that you will be with every single person that's in this room. Not just every not just the people who rose to their hand, but all of us together. God, as you are using this church as a catalyst to make a movement into this community, God, we want more of you. We desire more of you. Not just that. It's so that we can make an impact and an influence into this community that is greater, that is is built upon you and your word, God, in the life-transforming work of what happens on the inside, not to just know you intellectually, but to know you personally. We desire that. And we ask that you continue to give us a desire to follow after you more every single day. Bless us with the miracle of your Spirit. Go before us. Change us. We don't ever want to be the same. Today, tomorrow, the rest of our lives, we surrender it to you so that we can be molded into how you want us to be. You are the potter. We are the clay shape us how you would like. We give it over to you this day. All fear, anxiety, and worry is gone in the name of Jesus. And we stand upon the sound, solid word of truth and grace of Jesus Christ that has been given to us as a gift. We love you. In Jesus' name we said together, Amen. Amen. Is God good? Let's give him a round of applause. God bless you. You are dismissed. Have a wonderful week filled with his peace and his confidence cascading over your life. We will see you next week. Thank you so much for listening. For more information on Northview Church, please visit NorthviewUtah.com.